I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Yo, what's up, guys? A bunch of stuff's been going down. Loads of player media availability with some great quotes coming out. We got to hear from Hayward. There's some talking points around Hayward. I mean, from my personal point of view, everything he said was more than acceptable, more than reasonable. I cannot see any reason why anybody could feel otherwise, but that's just my personal opinion. The foot news was worrying. We're going to dive into that. I'm joined by Mr. Tim Shields and Wayne Breezy. What's going on, guys? Nothing much, man. Happy to be back. And great to be back, guys. So, Hayward, guys, where do you want to kick off with Hayward? Do you want to start talking about his foot or his... De- or the obvious choice that he's going to have to make where he goes back home for when Robin's in labor? I think we should talk about, um, you know, his, his wife going into labor. Um, this is just a quote from the Celtics media availability. This is on Celtics blog. Uh, Hayward said he'll be leaving the Celtics when Robin goes into labor. He said, that's a pretty easy decision. I've been there for the birth of all my children. Um, Hayward went on to say he'll return to the team after the birth, but he'll have to go through all the quarantine protocols when he returns. I think right now it's a really short quarantine period. I think in the rules, apparently what it said was about four days. I don't know if that's going to end up getting changed at some point, especially with escalating situations in Florida, especially, but I think that's really clear cut and obvious. I, I don't understand if anyone would ever give him flack over that, but it's the birth of his fourth child, birth of his first boy. I don't understand how there's any need for conversation on that part, but apparently NBA Twitter is for some reason, even making that up for debate at some points. And I don't get that, but. I mean, we're talking about an an all-star caliber player that just can't seem to get right with the Boston Celtics. And I think, I think the the Twitter flack that you're getting, many of the fans are pretty much fed up when it comes to, to Gordon Hayward. Like they, they, you know, the injury happened and, and, They've been waiting for him to recover, and they've been getting little bits and pieces of flashes of, of the Gordon Haywood that they knew the all-star Gordon Haywood. So I think, you know, with, you know, the first the foot the foot injury news came out, and then it came out to where, like, hey, if my wife's in labor, I'm out, I'm going to miss some time or whatnot. If we make it that far, I think I think fans are just like, Dude, are you with this team? Are you are you not with this team? Like, we want to have, we understand you're having a child, but it's like, yo, we could be pushing for a playoff run, and you might be missing critical, you know, time at the moment. You you want to have empathy for him because he's having a child and it's his first boy, and like, yeah, like, yeah, you got to do that. I mean, I would do that, but I think the fans are upset or having issues just because he won't be there, and. They, you know, they're paying this guy how much? A lot of money to be there, and uh, that I think that's where where all the Twitter, you know, questioning and the beefs, and you know, Gordon should be there and all that type of stuff. I think that's where that's coming about. I think his, you know, they, his accountability is is crucial right now. But Gordon plans to play like he plans to play up until the to the labor part, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying. So I don't, I don't like you, Tim. I don't really see what the what the issue is. Hey, he's gonna play and then once his wife goes into labor he's gonna be out and hopefully like you said the quarantine rules i thought the quarantine rules were like 14 days i i i didn't get the four days 
Well, so apparently for players that are entering the bubble or exiting the bubble for extenuating circumstances, it's only four days. Oh. Generally, when we're talking about, let's say, an average day person going to a different state right now, in, in the U.S. at least, certain states you have to quarantine for 14 days before you go out in public there. Gotcha. So that's a little bit of a different situation. And it's the same thing where it's like four versus 14. That's an absurd difference. There should be more protocols there. But yeah, I think a lot of it's just misplaced vitriol. I don't want to hold Hayward accountable for those kind of things. I don't think that's fair, especially with the way this is looking out. You know, we never saw the season coming to this point. We never saw us playing until the point where, oh, hey, Robin might be having labor in September and we're still playing basketball up until possibly October 12th if you manage to make it to Game 7 of the NBA Finals. So that is just what's the situation is with this season getting drawn out as it is. But at the end of the day, you know, he, he's been quoted talking about, hey, wanting to finish what we started this year, wanting to compete for an NBA championship. It's why we're going to Orlando. It's why we're focused on that. And it might be difficult to be away from his family, but he's still willing to do that. Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, these we have to keep in mind these are people. You know? Yeah. Human being straight up. Yeah, and I mean, you hit the nail on the head, man. Nobody expected the season at the start of this season to be ending close to when the regular season was meant to be starting again for next year. It's one of those things. I mean, a player missing a few games mid-season because his partners give birth is completely and utterly accepted across the entire league. Nobody ever gets any heat for that. The only difference is now is, hey, you know, there's been all this time off. The Celtics are in a position to really make a good push and you might not be there with us. The dude's having a kid. It's his fourth kid. Birth in itself is, although it's natural and it's regular, it's still a dangerous procedure. It's not without complications. It's not without unforeseen issues. You're going to be there for your wife, for your kid. He's got three other kids that need to be kept safe and make sure that they're okay emotionally while mom's in hospital giving birth. I've got no issues with him going, and I think... So that's fine. I'm completely fine with that. In regards to coming back, the biggest worry is when he leaves, do the Celtics, and assuming the Celtics are winning up until that point, do the Celtics continue winning in his absence? And if they do, how does that change the Celtics' thought process next season when his contract's up, if, assuming he ups in? If they continue winning when he's not there, that's where the question, that was the biggest takeaway for me. So, the Celtics go into this with Hayward. They're winning. They're winning. They're winning. Hayward leaves. Fair enough. Completely understand. But they're still winning and winning. Okay, so now do we really need Gordon Hayward? Okay, great. He's up to the next year. We've got another year for him to nurture Romeo, to nurture whoever else they draft. He's a great locker room guy. Been there, done that. Great vet. But does the team's success without him, does, uh, sorry, their theoretical success without, without him, actually hinder his chances of being there long term? I think that's a definite yes. If you look at back at what happened during that playoff run where you didn't have Kyrie Irving, you didn't have Gordon Hayward for the entirety of the season, look what happened immediately when you had that young team going into the playoffs and you had them going up against odds they did not expect to be there. You know, I don't think anyone saw that team without those two players getting to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. And since then... Jalen and Jason have gotten better, and you added Kemba to that situation. And granted, while you lost Al Horford, you went ahead and you got Daniel Tice to play to that level. You've got Ennis Kaner to try and get you boards. It's just, it's a different situation. But at the same time, 
you're given the chance for these young guys to spread their wings again. And if that means that Gordon Hayward is outside looking in, that's what it is. You know, he's talked about it briefly in terms of his player option. You know, he's got an option for next season. He hasn't given a lot of thought, but he's been focused on the season restarting. But at the same time, too, he's still talking about his foot publicly. And that's something that we all should be talking about. I think the fact that his foot is still giving him issues is something worth noting. And I don't think he would be vocal about that if he were not thinking about opting in. I just, my, my expectations for Gordon Hayward is, is to just play. Um, we have to sit back and just allow him, allow, he has to allow the game to come back to him. And the best way of doing that is by him being on the court. As much as I would love to see other players develop, I just, you know, guys, I, the moment I go out and say Gordon Hayward's our X factor, then here comes the foot news. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, beep, beep, beep. like it literally came like 20 minutes after I said that, like Gordon Hayward does a press conference and, you know, my foot's not really, you know, it still, it still hurts, which we all should understand. Like it was a gruesome injury. It's, it, you know, it wasn't something that he were going to heal. It's not like, you know, you go outside, you run, you fall, you scrape your knee. And then like six days later, I mean, it's a little tender, but you know, it's starting the healing process. We're talking about, you know, something that we witnessed on national TV. It took Paul George a couple of years to really get back to form, like maybe two to three years to really get to that. You know, I don't need to worry about, I'm not going to worry about weight or things like that or how I shift or, or things like that. I just hope that Gordon Hayward's with this team because when we went and signed him in free agency and then we traded and got Kyrie Irving, I was like, yo, this team, about to, I mean, they gave up, they, they, they got rid of Isaiah Thomas, um, uh, Jay Crowder. They got rid of some, some, some heart and some grit and some, some soul of this team to go and get young and more skilled players. And I thought it was going to be a pro. I thought we were going to be a problem. And then, you know, circumstances happened and it, it just wasn't, it just didn't pan out. But what what you guys just said is look at how they're doing it again, right? Like they're doing it again. They're allowing, Tim said, they're allowing these young guys to spread their wings and fly. I can't wait to see Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as veterans in the playoffs. Like I I, I know they're young, but that's what they are. Like they, like they have, they have mileage of playoff experience all of a sudden. And I can't wait to see those guys turn up. We watched how Pascal Siakam like blossomed in the playoffs, you know, when he had Kawhi Leonard, like he just turned into, matter of fact, he got some of the dopest prime cards in NBA 2K and maybe cheat code cards. But like we've watched him blossom. Like our guys are doing the same thing right before our eyes. When we're talking about Gordon Hayward though, it's just, I really want him to be a part of everything. I feel like he's due. It, it's He's earned it. He's put the team on his back certain nights. Then certain nights he couldn't hit shots and for whatnot. Hearing him say that his foot's still bothering him is a tad bit concerning for me as it should be for you guys. Like, it's just a tad bit. But you know what? I still think when he goes out there, he gives it He gives 100%. He gives it He gives it his all. And there's going to be nights where a shot is on, and it might be nights where a shot is off. But you know what you're going to get out of Goran Haywood? You're going to get one of the best uh, uh, IQ players on the floor every night. Which means if he can't get a shot off or if he can't get to the basket, be ready for that pass. So like Tim said, 
those young guys can spread their wings and fly. Yeah, I mean, for me, my outlook on it is, okay, his foot's giving him issues and it's probably going to give him issues for the duration of his career at this point. Okay, teams were still willing to throw huge sums of money at Kyrie Irving, knowing he has knee issues, knowing that his knees are sore after a prolonged stretch of games. Players develop these niggling injuries that kind of become long-term problems regularly. And then it just becomes down to load management, time management on games. If You know, you put a guy out early in the fourth if you're far ahead. You sit him for longer periods of time during the, mid, the early points of the season, maybe the latter point of the season too. As Wayne said, the guys, I mean, Hayward's shooting nearly a 50-40-90 across the season. He's analytically sound in so many different aspects of his game. Granted, his defense has been a little bit subpar compared to what I was hoping it would be, especially his point of attack defense. But I'm okay with that because he does so many things well and he plays his role within the team. You're, you're talking about a guy that came in as the, pretty much the number two option, Kyrie one, Hayward two, and has found himself as the fourth option. You know, whether you want Kemba as 1A, Tatum as 1B, however you want to interchange them. Do we put Jalen Brown ahead of him, ahead of Hayward as, a, as an option? I kind of do, because Jalen Brown's athleticism is a, he, the way he reworked his jump shot to release at that higher apex this year. His explosion towards the rim. So Hayward, you can't get angry at the guy for the contract he signed. He he signed that contract coming in as a a, two, a number two option. The development of the roster around him and the core around him forced his hand to play at the number four option. That's not his fault. He's still probably the best fourth option in the entire league. I'm I'm more than happy. I mean, what other team can say Gordon Hayward's our fourth option on offense? Name me one, please. Name me one where a player is as similar in skill set to Gordon Hayward as their fourth option. Can't yeah, exactly. I'll wait all day. You can people can tweet at me. I'll be the, waiting. The one, the one thing I will say about that, especially when considering that Hayward's the fourth option. There's not many other teams that you could say, like we're talking theoretically, once if the Celtics are at that point where he has to go ahead and step outside the bubble for Robin, what other team could possibly miss a player of his caliber? Not only is having him as the fourth option, but we're talking about them potentially not even missing a step. There's not many teams you could talk about missing a max guy, a max contract guy for even a short period of time in the playoffs and potentially not missing a beat. I know it's optimistic, but they've missed them before. Yeah, I mean, I was about to say the same thing. No shade, no shade to Gordon Hayward here at all. But this team is so used to playing without him that when he goes, it's okay. We've not had Gordon for long stretches this season. We haven't had Gordon for long stretches for the majority of time he's been here. When he's on the floor, he's an absolute positive. When he's not there, they're used to that. They've done it before. JT gets a few extra touches. Brown gets a few extra touches. And Kemba Walker's more than capable of playing that primary playmaker role. Marcus Smart's the best playmaker on the team. He's more than capable of stepping up when needed to. My only question just completely and utterly revolves around, if they don't miss a beat, why are they going to extend another contract offer to him next season? That's my assume, I assume he ups in. I'm operating under the assumption that that's almost a foregone conclusion. So, why would they? It just makes no sense to me because he's going to be a year older with more miles on that bad foot. And then 
you know, you don't know what's going to happen between now and then. He might have a full season with no injuries and all of our opinions change. But right now, in terms of his foot, please, 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 can it just get better already? But what scares you is he doesn't know what's what the issue is. His exact words were, I wish I could tell you what was wrong. Yeah, and the, the, the good news is he can play. The bad news is his foot hurts. <laughs> so at the end of the day, he's still going to go. I, I, I still ex- can promise you he'll go out there and, and ball out. It's just what he does. It's in his, it's in his nature. It, it's just recovering is what we're talking about, guys. Like, how well will he be able to recover? And and can we can I say that the Celtics are just lucky to have like the depth that they have when it comes to these wings? Because now now we're you're talking about bringing in some guys. You know, Mark Marcus Smart could come in and hold his own. We've watched him start. This could be more time for Jalen Brown. Uh, Romeo Langford could come in there and and now could get some sharp playing time within these two weeks. This could be like a good old two-week session of of Langford and they let Gordon Hayward come in and and rest. I want to touch on the fact that you said that he's the like the the best fourth man op, you know, the fourth option in in the NBA. Yo, that's crazy. I I never I never thought about that. I never thought about him going from the number 2 option to the number 4 and being the best number 4 because many teams don't have more than three options, right? They always talk about the big three and this, this, that, and the third. If they have that, the luxury to have that. We're talking about a guy that could come in and, and give you 30 a night. We're talking about a guy that doesn't even have to start. You know what my only question was? And only Gordon probably can answer this, but we can definitely talk about it a little bit. How does it feel as a player? How do you think it feels as a player? from going from the second option, excuse me, going from the number one option when he was with uh, Utah, coming to a team where he was going to be the number two option and drops down to the fourth option. Are we talking about Psyche now? Because is could this be, other than health, could this be why we see the struggles of Gordon Hayward when, when it comes to uh, being on the floor? I, I don't think so. I think... As we've looked at before with the statistics, he's getting similar numbers to what he had at this peak in Utah. He is. He's not expected to carry the team here. He has other options around him. And a lot of the reason why you're seeing these guys take these steps up and playing is because he's been recovering from injuries. Whether it be, oh, we're finally getting it back and it seems like he's operating at full strength. And then his hand gets broken in a freak pick-and-roll accident when he's defending LaMarcus Aldridge. So stuff like that happens, and it's uncontrollable. I don't think he's taken it in a negative way. You definitely don't see him come out with a different attitude. It seems like everyone generally in the locker room likes him and wants him to succeed. I don't think there's any kind of resentment. I don't think – and I, I think that's a fair concern to worry about Psyche. A lot of things that we overlook as fans, I think, until very recently, is the psychological trauma that players go through, whether it be because of injury, because of anxiety. You know, Kevin Love has come out and spoken about it often, especially with more frequency, talking about players' mental health and the players' union talking about handling that kind of thing, having those resources available to players. But I don't think Hayward's seeing ghosts anymore, and I don't think there's any kind of injured ego to it. 
I think the one thing that he wants to do is he wants to be able to get out there, play with these guys at full strength, and, and play for his college coach and Brad Stevens. I think that's the major reason why he came here, and I think that's another reason why he's all in on this Orlando situation. Yeah, I mean, when we're saying similar numbers to Utah, let's just throw them out there. Let's, uh, let's peel off a layer here. He's having his third most productive season in terms of scoring. He's only scored more points per game in two separate seasons. That's 14 to 15, 15 to 16, both in Utah. In terms of assists, he's tied his second best assist season at 4.1 assists per game. Only in 2013-14 did he drop an extra assist per game for 5.1. So he's tied his second best season ever in scoring. He's got his most efficient from the field this season at 50. That's period. That's his most efficient scoring from the field, albeit on how many attempts? On 13.5 attempts. So that's kind of sitting around where he was peak Utah, maybe a a shot per game less. Three point percentage, again, he's a shade under his career best there. He did have some high, high 40s in his early few seasons, but they were on really minimal attempts. So you kind of pay that no mind, except for 2012 slash 13 where he was shooting 3.4 attempts per game and shot 41%. And that's fine, but, you know, top three, top four year of scoring after seven years in the league, you're doing great. When you look at his his percentiles as well, that's where things really start to stick out for me. He's in the 90th percentile among forwards for assists, period. He's in the 79th percentile for points per shot attempt. So that's how many points do you score per 100 attempts? He's in the 81st percentile for usage. The ball still runs through him on 21% of the possessions when he's on the floor. Primarily because they use him as a point forward so they can put Kemba off ball a little bit more. And I've, I've been championing for that for a long time. I'd much rather see Hayward come off the bench as the point forward and run that second unit. I feel he holds more value there than he does running with that first unit. That's my personal opinion. In terms of accuracy... Statistical opinion too. Like I mean, the stats are—they show it. it. I think everyone, not to cut you off, but everyone wants to see that. And I said earlier in the show, this dude has—he has—he has a great, you know, NBA mind. Like his his IQ is pretty much up there. So yeah, point forwarded up. He's he's got the size. He's got the ball skills. We watch him drive. We watch him drive, get under the rim, and kick out to the wide open guy. I mean, it, that that that's what I'm talking about. And we get mad when he passes the ball sometimes, but it's because he's just in playmaking mode. Like, when he goes point forward, he's always thinking about making a play before the play is made. I love that guy. I love that in him. Sorry. No, it's fine. The only other thing I was going to say was in terms of accuracy, he's lighting it up around the rim, 69% around the rim, 89th percentile for all forwards, 91st percentile of all forwards anywhere between the rim and 14 feet, which is just below the free throw line. And you know that from his little kind of pivot turnaround, Jay. You know that one he's doing where he drives, stops, pivots, and then drains money with that, man. I love that jump shot, bro. It's so beautiful. I love that one. But again, wouldn't you rather him have the ball in his hand more coming off the bench than be kind of consigned to the corners and setting down screens, running back picks to get other shooters open? That's not his game. It's not his game. And, and 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 the fact that he's getting older and he's and he's struggling with the injuries, like you don't need him to do all that. Like let you have the youth, 
that is able to, to to run to the wings, run to the corners, get to the get to the line. You have the youth, you have the youth and bench depth to do those type of things. When you got this guy who could come in, oh man, I I, I can see. It. I gotta go try this in two K. I I gotta go I, <laughs> that. That's that's gotta be. Uh, I can't wait to see what Brad draws up. Just we know the next. We know when the NBA season starts. It's gonna be two weeks of Brad experimenting. And then it's then it's then he's gonna give then he's gonna give us a glimpse of what it might look like, and then he's gonna hit you with the with the haymaker. I just can't wait. We don't even know. Like I can't wait to see what happens. I mean, he experimented with this at points in the season. I remember I wrote something on this probably just coming up into midway of the season, saying that whenever he start, you can start Hayward with that first unit. I'm not saying starting on the bench, starting with the first unit, but make him the first man out. You know what I'm saying? Put him in, fill the game out, fill out the matchups, and then pull him early. Replace him with whoever you need to replace him with. And then once your rotations start getting deeper and you're, you're putting out that second unit, then put Hayward back in because then the talent level difference between him and the other guys on the floor, the matchups, the problems it's going to cause, the switchability that Hayward offers and can kind of inject into that second unit, that's where his value will be. Okay, granted, you're paying a guy north of 30 million next season to run your bench unit effectively. But if that's what it takes to put you to that level for the for the chip, bearing in mind that the majority of that bench unit are going to be first and second year players, you want that experience coming off the bench with them who can control the tempo of the game. I'm, I'm, me personally, I'm down, pay that guy for north of 30 million and tell him, yo, you're going to run this second unit. You're going to start still. You're not going to lose your starter status. But your primary job, is you run that set second unit and you quarterback for these young fellas. Your foot's hurting. This is how we're going to navigate your foot issue. And I think that's a marriage that makes a lot of sense. When you look at the situation, not only with the fact that you haven't been able to get as much time with Boston, you want to see him succeed now, and you've got these young guys who are just ready to run. Let these guys get their, you know, get their grit going and just let them rock. Let them rock and then allow them to help that team can help manage your health. You know, you're getting older, you're 30 years old. This next option you've got is going to give you 34 million. And then after that point, maybe you look at similar to what happened with the Horford situation. And I do want to say everyone, myself included, expected Al Horford to opt out and sign for more years, less money to stay in Boston. The Kyrie Irving situation negatively impacted Al Horford's contract situation. And that's why that fell through. This time around, I feel a lot better about Hayward opting out and signing for less money in more years. And a lot of it will probably end up being guaranteeing, and then a lot of it will be player actions toward the tail end of it. But if you're looking at it, you're 31 years old. That's when most athletes consider their prime. And you're trying to win a championship before you retire. This is probably going to be the last big contract you can get might as well settle down in an area that you know you can compete with. You've got a bunch of young guys. They've got a lot of assets. They can go out and get other players to supplement you. And the one thing that they need right now is a little bit of breathing room salary-wise so they can add to that core and keep it going. So why not, you know? Yo, That's four years. <laughs> Listen, Hayward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if we'll go for that, but I mean. That's 18. Yeah, I mean, it's a big drop-off, but you've got, that's taking you from your age 32 season into your age 36 season, maybe a team option on the final season. But that's not terrible. No, that's not terrible. You can't be, you, 
in your right mind, you cannot be expecting to be picking up any more than 22 mil a year. On a with, his, with his injuries, absolutely not. So 18, Which is also another rationale behind it. 18 mil a year is a very tradable contract. It's a, The bird rights allow it to happen. And you're spending at least two of those four years staying around a team that's built to win. I, I think that's a very fair rough out. I'd even go up to 4 or 80 with that team option on the final year. Mm-hmm. Any higher than that, I feel like it's an overspend just because of the injury history, the fact it's going to take you deep into your mid-30s. And the fall-off as well, guys. I mean, Hayward's athleticism was a big part of his dominance in his time in Utah, the way he could explode to the hoop, the way he could close out on guys at, like, on a dime. That... And Wayne, I don't know your age, but at my age, I can feel it happening. That Dude, my, knee, my knee's hurt right now. Yeah, right. I'm telling you, bro. That athleticism drop-off in your early 30s to your mid-30s it is ridiculous. meant to be rapid as well. It's like one day you can do it, the next day it's just gone. I mean, I'm 32, and uh, I can already tell that, like, yo, I need to work harder just to stay in shape because your, your metabolism, <laughs> Wayne's laughing, you can tell. Right, man. I'm almost 40. I, I get it, bro. I, I totally get it. I definitely do. I, I just think what you guys said about Gordon Hayward, I'm I'm hoping listen, no one wants to see this guy succeed in this system more than me, man. I, I really I the, fe- the the one thing you didn't mention, Tim, was you mentioned all those good things. The one thing you forgot to mention is he still get to play for Brad Stevens. Like that's his guy. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, that is his that is the reason he turned down more money in Indiana or wherever in Utah. To, to be here, which is Indiana would probably be the only other place that he may go um, just because of home. But listen, I I think Gordon Haywood does stay with the Celtics. I don't know how they're going to work the money out. You guys are throwing out those numbers, 18, 22. Like, we, we have to see where he is. Opting in gives him 34 million, I think, 33, 34 million for one more season. I just want us fans to just shut up and let him play basketball. Like, just be quiet. We're not paying him the money and just let him play basketball. I don't know if I could say that word S up or whatnot, but listen, let him play the game. Let, he ha, he ha, he, he, he's changing. So the game needs to uh, evolve with him as long as well as he's evolving to the game. I think the, per, the best person to figure that out other than Gordon Hayward is Brad. I had, you know, I was at a softball game earlier today. And I had a Knicks fan come up to me to, to me and tell me how much they love my coach, how much they love Brad Stevens. And I was just like, yeah, I love him too, but I feel like you love him a little bit more than I. Then he just started spitting like, why? And I'm like, yeah, I, I was, yeah, that's right. You know what I'm saying? So let this guy, let, let, let them figure that out. I think Gordon Hayward is, is a prime piece to the puzzle. I just hope that, what you guys are talking about, the money situation, because we all know money talks. I'm hoping that the money situation finds a way to just work itself out. You know, maybe Gordon Hayward is just that guy that understands, hey, I'm, I'm, I know I'm getting older. Um, I want to be in for the team. I think this team has a, has, has a chance to compete for the next five to seven years. L- let me be a part of it. I'll take this deal for the team and let's keep it moving. And if he can develop, can you imagine Gordon Hayward resurging himself to a point forward? Something he didn't probably think about being because he was so explosive getting to the basket. We'll never see that again. We we just won't. We can't can't get time back. 
That was his Utah days. And it, you know what? It would have been his Celtic days. It's just that he had the injury. Because what was he doing on that play? Exploded to the basket. So we have to accept Gordon Hayward for what he is right now. He's he he's he could still hit a jump shot. He has that 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 little pivot post move thing you was talking about earlier. He can still get to the basket. That is, just because he's not as explosive doesn't mean he can't get to the basket. And he's becoming a playmaker, guys. We have to accept Gordon Hayward. That's so that was my that was my only concern. I don't want to say issue. My only concern is we get this Gordon Hayward. And he's and he's almost he's like he's electrifying, and then comes playoff time, and he has to go missing, which is fine, right? Which is fine, but then won't we be we'll, we'll be losing a certain type of production from a player that we're gonna have to hope that we could get from somebody else, and that's why I probably was one of the people that was just saying, well, Gordon, spend some, be with your family, bro. Go be with the, just just let these players figure it out. You go be with your family. We'll see you next season. Yeah, he, I feel like he'd get far much less heat for saying I'm not going at all. That's what I'm saying. Than going and having to leave. I feel like people would understand much more if he was like, yo, I don't want to leave the girls. I don't want to leave the wife. I'm going to stay here. You guys go do you. And then I'll be with you next season. I, rather than him being made the scapegoat if the Celtics kind of fall off when he bounces, you know? I just if, don't get... Ugh. I don't think that'll happen, but like the fact that people are like, "How could he do this? How how dare he?" It's just like, guys, do you realize like what they're doing right now, like what they're sacrificing? I know. Quote, dude. He said like the girls are a bit older now, so they understand that daddy's not going to be around for a while. Do you imagine having to tell your three young daughters like, "Hey, I know daddy goes on West Coast trips," and he even said this. This was part of his quote. They're usually six, seven, eight days, but then you're back home. But Daddy's not going to be here for pr- probably two, three months. Like you just ain't seen. I mean, yo, if I was him and my wife's pregnant, and I know that I can help the team when I'm there, but I might have to leave because we don't know how far the Celtics, how far the team's going to go, where where this where we're drawing this line in the sand. Yo, I'm I'm just not turning up, guys. You you know, I'll take the hit on pay. Uh, but I want to be with my family at this moment in time. I feel like people would, he would get so much less heat. And I feel that's terrible to look at it like that because he shouldn't be getting no heat, period. He shouldn't. Any other player wouldn't. It's just, it's, yeah. We, the, the fans are await, are still awaiting for Gordon Hayward to arrive. And they feel like this is the time. It just, it just, okay. They feel like, with the way everything is turning out, you know, players dropping left and right, the Celtics has a chance to make a deep run and push in this playoffs, and they want to be guns blazing. I think that's where the fans are coming from. Like, they want to be guns blazing. Even Brad Stevens says, you know, we want to be our best, you know, on August 17th. You know, we got two weeks to prep, blah, blah, blah. I think as from a fan perspective, they just want to be guns blazing. They want the best players out there each and every night. And they want to be on some, yo, let's beat teams by 30 a night. Like, I know that's not going to happen, but they feel like their team is better than the other teams. That's just what they feel. You know, here, Here's the kicker, right? Uh, Chris Middleton comes out and says, hey, man, I haven't picked up a ball in like 45 months, right? So I probably can't shoot. And then you got Celtic fans saying, 
well, he'll still shoot well against us or blah, blah, blah. It's like, dad, like that's how much respect he gets because he's a Celtic killer. Like that's what he does. Like he, he he's a dad. He just hits big, tough shots against Boston Celtics. Don't see him do it against any other team. But when he plays the Celtics, he just knows how to get the ball into the basket. He just shoots. He could be anywhere on the court. And Celtic fans are just like, well, you'll still, you know, find a way to shoot, uh, you know, 90% against the Celtics. Or blah. And then we have our own player that we just don't show any faith in. Like, I just don't get it. Like, I don't get some of us sometimes. But all I'm saying is if, if Gordon Hayward, you know, he's going to be there. So, like, him not being there is out of the question. Like, he says he's going to be there. Unless it's too late to say you can't be there, right? He's going to be there. So, we're just going to have to take the Gordon Hayward that we have. Uh, cherish it, and hopefully, you know, his locker room presence, his leadership, and all those things, his mojo, whatever you want to call it, gets these young boys riled up, man. And and that's what's going to help this team push and run during those playoffs. I think we're going to head to break because Wayne's kind of summed that up perfectly. Yo, some guys have got the butts on hot seats now, though, right? I mean, you got Daniel Tice, non-guaranteed for next year. Javante Green, non-guaranteed. Semi Ojale, team option on Semi. Like, I tell you what, though, Semi's developing a three-point shot. I, I I know that. Um, and I don't know where he gets does. I I don't know if he's, he's if he'll, if he'll be back. The Celtics find ways to move on from players that you feel like can be on this thing. I, I and I can I can go back to players like I just I just saw a a a post about a, a former Celtics player making a comeback to the NBA. And I was just like, dang. And you know what? I liked him on the Celtics, but man was he out of shape or or, or whatnot. And I'm talking about Jared Sullinger, right? Like I just I just I like Sully. I thought he was cool with us. I he he was he was replacing the big baby factor. Because the big baby was just this big ball of energy, can hit shots, and when shots went in, and having him and Nate Robinson and Shaq on the same team at one point was just like, man, you got to love the squad. And then they drafted the Sully guy, and then he comes in, and, and, you know, he just didn't have that same gameplay. But I tell you, you know what? He did have a knack for rebounds. And now we got, you know, these other players. And I think you mentioned Yabu earlier. I don't. I don't know. He's not on the team, but I, I guess we're still paying him or whatnot. And then you got, you know, uh, Simi and uh, Green. Like, is this it for him as well? Like, th- these guys have to go out here and and rock out to the, they, you know, they got to they gotta ball out. They just got to ball out. They got to make the NBA say, you know, I'm that guy. And hopefully the Celtics can find ways to pay because Tim said earlier, like, we, we like – we like pushing that 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 cap number really close, so that's what concerns me about the the, the NBA money. It's a little, it, I know it's guaranteed and it's, but it's weird. It's a little bit more weirder than football money. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Shemi, sorry, Tim, go ahead. For Shemi, my biggest issue is looking at his on-off numbers. I mean, if you've watched Shemi play this year, you know he gets a tough assignment usually when he's on the floor. Oh yeah, but when he's on the floor. Per 100 possessions, the team are 9.4 points worse off. They score 8.8 points less per 100 when he's on the floor, 
and they give up 0.6. So it's kind of like an even trade-off when he's on defense. But his inability to drive and his patchiness, streakiness on his jumper really hurts the team, dude. I mean, he could be a phenomenal free and D guy. He's got the athleticism. He's got the size. But for some reason, he just hasn't found a way to put it together. And it feels like he starts the season really poor and then kind of picks up mid-season, tails off again. And then we'll have like a quarter of a good series. He'll play one or two games really good and then that's it. And I just don't see how he could be anything other than a situational plug guy that you plug in when you're playing someone big and strong and you need someone big and strong back. Isn't he? I mean, dude, he's 26 in a few months. He's 25 at the moment, like closer to 26 than 25. I don't feel like he's done enough to say that we're going to see him in the league in another three years. That's also the question I would have too. And a guy at that age, especially 25, 26 in the NBA, is, is what the same reason why, Yeah, I mean, it's the same reason why Javante Green had to play overseas. Javante Green still, to an extent, doesn't have a three-point shot. He's gotten a little bit better with the Celtics, but he doesn't have a three-point shot. So he's basically this explosive wing who can't shoot from range. And in the NBA where you need to be able to shoot from three, it's expected, especially if you're a bench player, it makes it really difficult to get a roster spot. That's deep. That's deep. And it's deep because with Green, he has that explosiveness, but you're right, he can't shoot. And then with with Simi, it's just off and on with the shot. I just feel like it's gotten better, but it's not consistent. So... You, you you mentioned Adam mentioned you you mentioned that he was a situational player. I could believe I believe we talked about the Celtics having a bunch of kind of like situational players, right? Like, what's wrong with being that? Like, what's wrong with saying, "Yo, you come in and you D LeBron James," because that's what he would that like that's what he would do. Like, he can literally like D those type of players because he's big, he's strong. That doesn't mean he shuts them down. It just that's he gets those. You said he gets the tougher assignments. Can't you who you have can't you pair him up on the floor to where you can make up for his non scoring ability? Can't you put some isn't that what you would want to do? I mean it's funny you ask that. Because the one lineup he actually hits as a plus is when you plug him in alongside Walker, Brand, Tatum, and Tice. They've done a hot they've had a hundred possessions together this season, which is good because most metrics are measured per hundred possessions. So this has been enough to hit that benchmark for these metrics to be reliable. When he's in with that unit, and he's usually playing the four, Tatum at the three, Brand at the two, Walker at the one, Tice at the five. The team outscores their opponents by 12 points per 100. This is only 100 possessions. It's a very small sample size, just enough to trigger the metric. 120 points they've scored in those 100 possessions. 108 they gave up. Turnover-wise on offense, when he's on the floor with that team, they turn it over 15%. Of the time, so that's tough. And usually, let's be fair; it's probably Shemi that's turned the ball over with that guy, that group of guys. Uh, on defense, they're forcing turnovers fifteen percent of the time. I mean, I think it was Sam Vecini put out an article earlier this month, early sorry, late last month, early this month, looking at these guys, saying like, and I agreed with him, and he pointed out that Jalen Brown's probably has developed into a brilliant point of attack defender Jay, um, Jason Tatum's developed into an amazing off-ball defender 
So then you're saying, why not plug him in because he's situational if you need to guard LeBron James? Well, if you need to guard LeBron James, you're putting Jalen Bryan on him because of the athleticism. You need to stay in front of LeBron James. You need to make sure he's not getting downhill on you, same as Giannis. What you want to do is you want to get up under him and make sure that he can't drive, make sure that he, you either get the ball out of his hands or he, or he charges into you or he, every shot he takes, he's got a hand in his face. Semi's good at that. He can buddy you up on the post. If you need to rotate a big, a bigger guy onto the post to make sure you're not getting bullied down low, then you rotate Shemi there. But you don't, if you've got Jalen Brown on the floor next to you and Jason Tatum on the floor next to you, you're not getting that tough assignment because there's more skilled defenders on the floor with you that are going to be placed in front of you, which then again becomes, well, if you're a situational player that's being brought in for defense, but you're only good when you're playing alongside four of the five main starters, what good are you? Mm. You know what I mean? What benefit are you actually giving to us if, you, if you're if you only big impact? I mean, if you look at him with Marcus Smart, Kemba, Tatum and Tice, they've had 52 possessions. They blew out opponents at 44 points difference. They scored 44 more points. It's two little amounts. This is the problem. He plays so sparingly and so sporadically that the, the data is skewed due to the lack of sample size. I don't see him being much more than a, hey, this team's, you know, this team's got a, a really good bench scorer and Marcus Smart's already taken care of. They've left a, a, a first team guarding. So Marcus Smart's already got that assignment. We're going to throw Shemi in and let's hope he can swim this today instead of sink. Do you see him in the league in three years? That's the question you need to ask yourself. I, I don't know if I see him with the Celtics, but I feel like he can get to a team and, I'm not saying blossom into some all-star type player, but definitely a good role player on a team that'll give him more opportunities. Uh, I think that's what it comes down to. There's him getting time on the floor. Who knows? He's a Celtic right now. So like, let's, let's just rock out while he's here and then we'll figure that stuff out later. (laughs) We feel about Javante Green. He's another guy that needs to earn his spot within the NBA stratosphere after this season. I'm not sure about him. I feel like he's another example of a player who has been out of the league and then came back to the league for good measure because he was overseas playing and got brought in by the Celtics. And he's an explosive player. I mean, he's still on the older side. So if you look at his statistics now and the kind of play he has, still isn't really great with that three-point shot, you're getting a lot of the same. So I think Javante Green's 27. So he's around the same age as Shemi, a little bit older. It's another situation where you look at him and you say, how much more are you going to get out of him? How much is his game going to change as he ages? Because his game is primarily getting the ball, being super explosive and bouncy, and just destroying the rim. So, And while that's fun, I love watching him play, don't get me wrong. He's had some of the best dunks. But is, is he going to be any more than a bench body? Because at the end of the day, you have to think about how you're utilizing those bench spots, how you're putting every single amount of money you got, every single dollar you got on trying to make this team better. And if you think that there's another guy out there for the same money who's going to give you a little bit more, just enough to help make a difference, then you have to consider that option. Yeah, I mean, Brad Stevens has always said, and I like this quote from him, everyone in the NBA can do one thing exceptionally well. The really good NBA players can do two things exceptionally well. 
the great NBA players can do multiple things exceptionally well. Javante Green can dunk exceptionally well, but that's it. And that's fine. But what happens when you can't get to the rim? What happens when you're playing against a Andre Drummond or a Rudy Gobert or a shot swatting extraordinaire that loves to just chew on basketballs as they're flying in towards his face? You're now nullified. You are completely nullified. And that's where I feel like you can go and get a more sharpshooter-centric guy on a deal like that. Just Your role is you come off screens, you find the open shot, and you just pull up when you see daylight. And if you're hitting 34 to 37% on 1.5 million a year, then we're going to rock with you for the next few years because that's what we need. We need a JJ Reddick baby version. That's it. That's what they need, dude. And unfortunately, I feel like Javante will get a role somewhere in the league. Some team will... That he needs to be on a team that's a ridiculously fast-paced team, a team that's really pushing the tempo. I feel like he could actually fit quite well in New Orleans. Or he could develop a three-point shot and get and then, and get a job. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, listen. You All right, so let, let, all right, remember Tony Allen? All right, so Tony Allen was really great on defense. I, I think he was... At the time, like he was that that was just his specialty. Like he will lock down one through five, right? That like that he that's what he did, right? And he he wasn't getting to the rim. He wasn't a dunker. He wasn't a good shooter, but he was really great on defense. And I think you value defenders. If you if you could, I don't know about. I guess Green is not a great defender because we didn't talk about him playing <laughs> any type of defense, or we would have mentioned that. We just said he can get to the rim, you know, if it's you know if it's there for him. But Tony Allen decided to say, I'm going to learn how to shoot. Like, I don't know who he worked with. I don't know what he did. All I know is he went from, you know, hitting lucky shots to becoming like a three-point shoot and defending type player. And that extended his career uh, in the NBA. He became an all-star. Like, that extended his career. I mean, it wasn't with the Celtics, but like, he, he extended his career. Javante Green has to continue to develop. He has the energy. He's still, he's not, he's entering the prime age. But you said, which tier of a player are you going to be? Like, which tier? You're going to be like, you know, the, the average. You're going to be good. You're going to be elite. Like, which tier? Like, he has to develop more of his game. He ain't developing that in the next three, four weeks. It's just, just not happening, right? So we need him just to try to continue to get to the basket. Or maybe he did develop a jump shot. We don't know. I just think that if he adds that to his arsenal, he'll have many more opportunities, many more opportunities um, and, and landing a spot or maybe even being extended with the Celtics. And there's, if there is one team, guys, if there's one team that can't teach you how to shoot three points, it's the, it's the Boston Celtics. I hope I'm saying that right. I've watched big guys come into this system and just figure out how to shoot. They just figured it out. They're left wide open. Uh, you know, I'm going to hit one. And once they hit one, that's the mojo to go ahead and say, I'm going to keep practicing this shot. Uh, just think about Aaron Baines. What was Aaron Baines shooting in San Antonio? Because I don't think he was hitting threes like that. And then... Yeah, I mean, but I think a lot of that's dependent on the system, you know. I, you're absolutely right with that. 
playing in Boston's system dictates that you need to be able to play defense or at least be part of a defensive scheme so we can try and mask your defensive liabilities and you need to be able to shoot threes. Every single center who has come to the Celtics has shot threes at some points. Aaron Baines actually was like a pleasant surprise because he would take like one or two or three a game every like 20 games, I think. And he would hit like two or three of them. He would, he'd shoot like a really good clip, which was just, it's funny, but it's also just like, huh, go figure. You can actually shoot. But that I mean, means when you look at it, it's just funny. Baines shot so little from free when he was in San Antonio and Detroit, the basketball reference don't even show it as a stat. It's just zero. I'm, my bad, Baines. I know you're listening, but listen, when you came to Boston, the system said you're going to be, you're going, they, we're going to spread out and you'll be wide open. You hit the shot. You know what I liked about Baines? He would take it. You know what I like about all of our bigs? They take it. If it go, if it doesn't go in, they shake it off. I know green is not a big, but he's going to have his opportunities. And you know what? He's scared to shoot because there's times where he's left open. He's on that wing. What does he do? Drive the ball. Just shoot it. You just got to shoot it. You just got to believe that at some point your shot is going to go in and start to fall. That's what they have to have. They, like, And if Green can develop that mentality to say, okay, I know I'm going to have to shoot this ball because that's what the system is dictating. We're rotating the ball until there's me on a one-on-one where I know I could beat a guy off the dribble and bang on him because the center has been pulled out because they got to stress the D, pause, because they got you know, to come out and, and defend the big guy at the top of the key or whatnot. That's when you go in and you drive and you get the dunk. I like Green's energy, man. He he got energy like me. But like you said, what happens if you got the Drummond or the Gobert or them guys that ain't silly stupid? Like, they just don't leave the paint. They just stay there. Good. If you could dunk on them, you will have highlights on every – I don't know if there's any more sports center, but you will have highlights on TV for the rest of 2020. But I like Green. I don't know if they extend him going forward um, because he doesn't he doesn't have too many dimensions to his game, and that's where that's what hurts him. That, that's what hurts him. Like remember Nate? I just you guys bringing up old memories. I could talk Nate Robinson. Like he yo he could bang on you his little self, but he could shoot. You didn't know you didn't know what to do with him, and he could pass. Like I just wish Green would develop. Or and I'm hoping and I'm gonna get his name right because you guys corrected me off air. If Carson Edwards, guys, this is a guy that I really want to see get his get it together, right? Because we know we can hit these shots, and I think he's gonna get the chances and the opportunities. Regardless, we're gonna see. We're also gonna see uh, Trey Mountain Waters in there, but. I think if once he gets that, whew, man, he's not the banger, the dunker or whatnot, but he definitely is going to have those one-on-ones, and he's going to be open, and you see, he just keeps shooting. But like you said earlier in a couple of episodes ago, he has to slow down. Let the game come to him, man, because I, I, I think he can hit big shots. If not, his time, his time in the league may be diminished. I think that wraps us up nicely for the episode. I'm, one thing I'm going to leave you with food for thought, Javante Green shooting 26% from beyond the line, beyond the arc this season. 26%. We're just going to leave it there. Bearing in mind, it's probably like, um, probably like four attempts total. <laughs> but for, I think it's like four or five attempts total, but 26%. So we're talking about him developing a three-point shot. He just needs to develop a shot. 
we'll leave it there. We're going to be back on Tuesday where we're going to break down the players that have decided to opt out of the league and how that's going to have a trickle-down effect on Boston. You've been listening to the Celtics pod. Make sure to leave that rate, subscribe, review. Only a nice review, bad reviews, you know. If you ain't got nothing nice to say, please don't say it at all. And we will catch you again on Tuesday. No, we won't. We'll catch you again on Wednesday. Peace out, y'all.